what's up and welcome to difficulty class a podcast about all things dungeons and dragons i'm one of your hosts ally deichman and with me this week is trevor bettis and this week we are doing a bonus episode because the new bonus unearthed episode. arcana just came out well actually <laughs> yeah it came out yesterday right Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, came out recently. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to switch things up a bit, and Trevor actually read ahead like a smart person. I'm going I, in it blind. <laughs> I don't know if I was a smart person. I, I don't... I Suddenly, I found myself having fully read the Unearthed Arcana and went, wait, don't I normally not do that? Oh, well. I have thoughts already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. Um, so, in case this is the first time listening to a bonus episode, we're going to read through our Earth Arcana, we're going to talk about it, clear some things up in terms of tactical ruling and all that good stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know. And also just kind of say how we feel about it. Yeah, so, and also this is a great reminder, if you have done it already, go and do the surveys. Um, there's a great opportunity Speaking to do the surveys which. for the past ones. Yeah. Speaking of which, I did the survey for the Psyod one. I was not kind. You, yeah, you know what? That's what exactly the surveys are for. And like, if like, well, you like, feel like, that way, I, I, you do it. Like, I wasn't kind of in far of, like, my rating. Like, I, of course, didn't... I wasn't in there just like, You are ruining the Dungeons and Dragons! <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that neckbeard. Um, yeah. No, like, I, I just... I put pretty much very dissatisfied with every option and in one and at the end i was just like hey i know it looks like i just went through here and clicked everything terrible but i genuinely did not think i genuinely do not think that this is the right direction for these powers so back to yeah the definitely board. go do the surveys <laughs> yeah back to the board yeah yeah no definitely if, if you have strong feelings like trevor and i do about these uas definitely put them out there into the surveys because that's how it's going to change before they publish them in a book in fact so. a few of uh, the things that are in this ua were because of the surveys from the past one exactly. of which i'm very upset with you all about very upset <laughs> i know i'm i'm High key worried that they're gonna change the genie to be the exact opposite of what I was hoping it to be, and so uh, that's like the number one thing I'm worried about. But well, let, let's uh, well, yeah, let's get in. So so <laughs> well, first off, I, I want to talk about this part. So yeah, these three subclasses are the Phantom, the Genie, and the Order of the Scribe. The mm-hmm. Phantom, as it says here, a revised Rogue subclass that was previously called the Revived. Which you may remember is the uh, is the one where it's like you realize that you have lived previous lives and everything. Oh and yeah, you and like have you like can this... change your skills out and like yeah yeah, and you've got like this half death thing going on, and it, and it was really cool. I remember like when we did that episode that I was like, yeah, more it of this. Like, I love yeah. this. It was super edge lordy, but it, in a very flavorful way. Yeah, it was edge lordy <laughs> in a cool anime way. Yeah, in the way that it's the the characters like, man, I really want to hate you, but you're so cool. Yeah, exactly. Todoroki, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> the genie, uh, a revised warlock subclass that was previously called the noble genie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the order of the scribe. This is probably the most, uh, the biggest change that they've done between UAs. This yeah. is a new wizard subclass that is a reimagining of the archivist subclass, which was a alchi- artificer. Or not, not, artificer. I always mm-hmm. screw up that word. I yeah. screwed up that word <laughs> even in the intermission of this week's Witchwood. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it used to be the artificer. It was in the last round before they actually published it in Eberron that it was in that yeah. UA. Um, and so now it looks like they're like, nope, back to the board, going to wizard, which I'm okay yeah. with. Just and even base, w- base, not even looking at anything. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the archivist was what my sister was playing for the longest time, and mm-hmm. same with was, Spencer. Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting one. But yeah, let's uh, let's hop into the rogue. All right, first one up, rogue. So again, just like regular subclasses, you get it at third level. And Mm -hmm. it's the Phantom. So it used to be called the Revived, but now it's the Phantom. Many rogues walk a fine life between life and death, risking their own lives and taking the lives of others. While adventuring on that line, some rogues discover a mystical connection to death itself. These rogues take knowledge from the dead and become immersed in negative energy, eventually becoming like ghosts. Whoa. Thieves' guilds value them as highly effective information gatherers and spies. Um, they talk about places that you could find these guys, like in the Forgotten Realms and in Eberron. Um, and also, an- apparently, necromancers practice it, too. And let's see. Phantom becomes uh, the- a wizard's confidant and right hand. That's neat. 
the 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 whole like while adventuring on that line, some rogues discovered a mystical connection to death itself. Yeah, they discovered the cure. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the, just some eighties most... goth English band. And that's yeah, like th- this is that that was that was pretty edge lordy if I do say yeah. so myself. So then they have some questions for like flavor text at the end saying, how did you discover this grim power? Did you sleep in a graveyard and awaken to your new abilities? <laughs> um, or so did you many goths in the them? 80s thought that's how it would work. Oh, yeah. Uh, or did you cultivate them in a temple of or thieves guild dedicated to a god of death? You know, questions. As you do. Uh-huh. But um, when you get this at third level, you get your first feature called Whispers of the Dead. Echoes of those who have died begin to cling to you. Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can gain one skill or tool proficiency of your choice as a ghostly presence shares its knowledge with you. This proficiency lasts until you use this feature again. I so like that. Mm, see, versus we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have some we're gonna have some disagreements here. This I do not like this. I like this over what they had it be before. I actually really preferred the old way to it because um, it was flavorful. It was like you you dreamt of a past life. Like maybe you were a chef. Maybe you were uh, an athlete of something. And I kind of loved that that was the flavor of it, that it was you recalling these memories of your past lives and and the skills that you had, them, the, the muscle memory somehow coming into you. This one feels way too mechanical. And I feel – and what I – worried when i read it was metagamey that oh, yeah we're, that your group would hit a point and be like oh well i didn't pick my proficiency for today so a ghost told me how to do this see now the thing with the remembering thing is my technical issue with it is that it's temporary is that you gain these memories back from when your previous life but then the next long rest you can just choose a different thing and then you forget whatever you remembered the last day Okay, I, I can get that. Whereas but this, yeah, but the there's sa- a the reason same thing. why it's temporary. <laughs> but the, it's the same thing, though. It's like they're basically saying, like, oh, a ghost, like, whispered in your ear and was just like, this is how you read books. And, like, you know, and then you forget it the next day. It, it Overall, the, the idea of it is kind of weird and a little too mechanically, like, for my taste. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I preferred the older way to this one. Okay. Just be, I think for me, just because of the flavor, but that was me. Yeah, like so. There we go. So that's an example of how Trevor and I can differ sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't always wise, agree on everything. Yeah, flavor wise, I agree. love this one, and flavor wise, he likes yeah. the older one. Yeah. Um, and honestly, they both basically do the exact same thing. I'm not sure if the other one was a short rest though. Uh oh, does it say short rest on here? Yeah, no, so it was. It was. I think the last one was long rest, and you had to roll mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, so it was a long rest and random, whereas this one's a short or long oh, rest, yeah, I don't and it's know a skill like or tool that. proficiency. Mm, yeah, that's that's that's. Eh, eh. Um, that's along with the whispers of the dead, you also get another third level feature: whales from the grave. Not whales as an animal; it's like whale of like <laughs> crying. Um, as you nudge someone closer to the grave, you can cause deathly whales to be heard near them. Again, not the animal. Immediately after you do your sneak attack <laughs> I damage. Stop thinking of it now. To a creature on your turn, you can target a second creature that you can see within 30 feet of the first creature. Roll half the number of seek attack dice for your level, round up, and the second creature takes psychic damage equal to the roll's total, as the whales of the dead surround them for a moment. You can use this feature a number of times equal to proficiency bonus and regain all uses when you finish a long rest. Okay, well that's actually kind of neat. So like once per turn, essentially, you can deal that much damage to another creature within 30 feet. Yeah, Ooh. up to the as many times as your proficiency bonus. Yeah, so I like that it's actually to the proficiency bonus and not like based off of intelligence or charisma or something like that. I don't know why I like that more than that. Probably because of the problem that we've been having with other subclasses recently where it's like, oh, this is very obviously themed around magic, but they're a fighter. Oh, but it's magic, so it's got to be intelligence. Yeah. And it's like, eh, meh. But, uh-huh. um... I think the yeah I, I I think the proficiency bonus is a neat way to do it, but it does definitely. Well, I guess it's not really slower. I guess it is about it the same rate. It levels up with you, which yeah. is I really like that that a feature actually levels up with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whereas no, that's, like if it's based true. off of an ability score, it can only go up so high. Yeah, 
I like that. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a good point. I really do like that. But now I cannot stop thinking about like a uh, a graveyard that has a tombstone for a whale, and it's just this giant plot of land. <laughs> I just I, I can't stop thinking about it. Death whale. <laughs> <laughs> Death whale. Hideo Kojima, watch out. <laughs> Um, at ninth level, and yes, it is at the next thing is ninth level because rogues are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Tokens of the Departed. It's a feature again at ninth level. When a life ends in your presence, you're able to snatch a token from the departing soul, a sliver of its life essence that takes physical form. As a reaction, when a creature you can see dies within 30 feet of you, you open your free hand and a tiny trinket appears there. A soul trinket. The DM chooses the trinket form or has you roll on the trinket's table in the player's handbook to determine it. When the soul trinket is on your person, you have advantage on death saves and con saving throws as your vitality is enhanced by the life essence within the object. You can have a maximum number of soul trinkets equal to your proficiency bonus, and you can't create one while at your maximum. As an action, you can destroy one of the soul trinkets, no matter where it's located. When you do so, you can ask the spirit associated with the trinket one question. The spirit appears to you and answers in a language at new in life. It's under no obligation to be truthful, and it answers as concisely as possible, eager to be free. You know, there's a spell, I think it's called Soul Cage, that's very similar to that. Yeah, this is. I think it's basically Soul Cage and Speak with Dead. Let's see, <clears throat> Soul Cage. It's a reaction casting, it lasts for eight hours. You snatch the soul of a humanoid, you can see and trap it inside a tiny cage you use as a material component. <laughs> um, while you have the soul inside the cage, you can exploit it. Uh, you can use the trap soul up to six times. Let's see. The dead humanated, it came from, can't be revived if you use it. That's neat. Steal life. You can use a bonus action to drain vigor. Query soul. You can ask a question. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a slightly toned down version of that with some yeah. extra things on it. The fact the, that the, you get advantage to con saves is wild because that's like the one thing yeah. that rogues are terrible at. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's an interesting idea, <clears throat> but it, it's, I don't know. It, there, it, there's something weird about it. Like a lot of uh, uh, a couple of the things in these subclasses that just kind of seem like they come out of nowhere. Like you're a wizard and you do magic stuff. You're a sorcerer, you do magic stuff. You're um, even like the ranger. Like there's, it's like you've become in tune with nature, almost like a druid. But then when they start like throwing magic at a a rogue and it's not like the arcane trickster, where it's like you've learned spells and stuff. It feels really like sudden and weird it's like so is this yeah can you just do this is this dude just this they is, just do it this is the sorcerer rogue <laughs> like yeah. you've become attuned to the not just death but like the process of it which is similar but then to you like can the also death manifest physical things that trap yeah. souls in them it's 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 That's cool funky. but it, it's cool but it, it gets to the point where like i, I start asking questions in my head of, of like rules of magic and stuff, which is what I normally don't do in D and D. I usually yeah. turn that shit off at D and D, but yeah. But this one's like, Hey, did you just like murder that guy and take a piece of him? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's from a collection and he just puts it in his bag <laughs> and it's like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Do you need help? It's like, Does yeah, no, this is going to help me out help? later. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'll destroy it later when you can talk to ghosts. What? Why? <laughs> Let the poor man go. Um, At 13th level, you get another feature. It's called Ghost Walk. You can now phase partially into the realm of the dead, becoming like a ghost. As a bonus action, you assume a spectral form. While in this form, you have a flying speed of 10 feet. You can hover, and attack rolls have disadvantaged against you. You can also move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, but you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside a creature or an object. You stay in this form for 10 minutes or until you end it as a bonus action. To use this feature again, it's you must finish a long rest or destroy one of your soul trinkets as part of the bonus action you use to activate Ghost Walk. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, what's hilarious is that you have a flying speed of 10 feet. Like, okay... So you can fly. That doesn't mean you only fly. I just realized. Yeah, I, 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 I literally just realized that too, having already read this. I was like, so you can only move through a five foot square. But then I was like, oh, you could probably still just walk. You, you can just walk. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, it uses up your bonus action. So you can't like 
bow cunning action or anything like that either, mm-hmm. which would be interesting. It's a, that's a fascinating one. I like how they did use the token thing again, so that way it feels more than just like that. W- that would be an interesting I, party makeup if the, if you had this rogue in there because they'd have I to be cool with a lot of stuff really quick. <laughs> I just realized that this pr- this subclass feels like uh, that planeswalker from Ravnica, the ghost assassin. Yeah, um, Kaya. Kaya. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Honestly, know if she can make physical things of dead people, she, but like she can't. <laughs> yeah, she mostly just murders people for, for her work. <laughs> That's her job. She's good at it, but you know she is good at it. She is good at it. But yeah, that whole ghost walk is straight Kaya. That's exactly what she does. Although she doesn't have any kind of problem moving through people, that's for sure. That's like mm-hmm. her whole shtick. Um, anyways, so there's one more thing. There's Death Nail. Uh, remember those grave whales? Well, <laughs> at 17th level, you get this feature. When you use your whales from the grave feature, you can now deal the second damage to both the first and the second creature. Oh! Okay, but so it- you can deal 150% sneak attack damage to the first target. And then 50% sneak attack damage to the second one. Yeah, but... At 17th level, kinda... you're already dealing a lot of sneak yeah. attack damage. It it, it feels kind of uh... lackluster for a 17th yeah. level thing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, that's... It's neat. I wish that they just bumped up the second one to be the full instead of, like, saying, oh, you can deal it now to both the first and the second. That would be cool. Yeah. I would take that over doing 150% uh, sneak attack damage. Because personally. a rogue is already like the giant killer. They already take down one target really well. But yeah, at 17th might... level, you give them the ability to take down two targets really well. Yeah. That'd be worth yeah. it. <laughs> like that that would that would make me consider using that subclass the way it is right now. I'm just like, eh. Yeah, because I mean eh. like the scout subclass lets you sneak attack twice per turn at higher levels mm-hmm. which is already better than this one <laughs> yeah i'm actually going and looking at like the other um, 17th level stuff yeah like uh assassin 17th level has death strike starting at 17th level you become a master of uh instant death uh when you attack uh when you attack and hit a creature that is surprised it must make a constitution saving throw dc 8 plus your dexterity modifier plus your proficiency bonus on a fail double the damage of the attack against the creature holy shit <laughs> like that now that's a fucking move that's a murder <laughs> and and there's no amount of times on it it's just yeah um, you I'd just like do you it. to make a con save. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a yeah, like you said, that's a fucking murder. <laughs> yeah. It's just that would just be I'm gonna roll my dice. Hey DM, I'm gonna murder this man. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> what like what was uh what's the the thief subclass? What is it? When you reach seventy level you become adept laying ambushes and uh quickly escaping danger. Uh when you, uh you can take two turns during the first round of any combat. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. And you can't do it if you're surprised, but still, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Like, mm-hmm. rogue at higher level is, like, totally worth it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, yeah, if, if they just did the, you can deal the psychic damage to the second creature full sync attack dice, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. I would take that, but... I don't know. But right now, yeah, it's like this is something that we'd mention in the survey. We would be like, you know, it was cool concept, but not good execution. Let's try that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, moving on. That's the last of the rogue features and class there. Uh, warlock. Uh, naturally, as a warlock, you're going to get this subclass at first level. You choose the otherworldly patron feature as the genie. Let's see. The genie. You have made a pact with one of the rarest kinds of genie, a noble genie. Such entities are rulers of vast fiefs on the elemental planes and have great influence over lesser genies and elemental creatures. Noble genies are varied in their motivations, but are all arrogant and wield power that rivals that of lesser deities. They delight in turning the table on mortals, while so who so love to bind genies into servitude, readily entering into pacts that expand their reach across the multiverse. You choose your patron's kind or determine it randomly. They have a table that actually determines which ones you have. And each uh, genie also is associated with a particular element as well. So there's like you can have a Tao, Earth, Air, Water, Fire genie or a 
genie <laughs> of the four, a Fridi or a Merid, um, which is interesting because they're usually, Merid is usually only associated, I think, with waters, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So re- real quick, I do want to say before this, mm-hmm. I still don't know how I feel about the genie part of this and it being actually part of a real religion and belief system and everything like that. And I don't know how I feel about them being like, Oh, also you can, uh, we have it in our dungeons and dragons imaginary game. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, there's always been a part of it. Then like, ah, that feels weird. Well, like, I mean, on the other hand too, though, they also have like devils and like actual names of like Christian, like creatures and stuff. That's true. Like That's Dungeons true. and Dragons, Demons and Devils in actual D&D. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's like a Western religion versus an Eastern one. And so it's like, yeah. because Wizards of the Coast are like a Western focal, <laughs> like local people. It's like, it feels more okay, I guess, for the, for the yeah, Devils. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It, like, it, uh, I'm, it's one of those things where I'm just like, maybe just like change the name, maybe re- remake it to what mm-hmm. would fit more like i don't know it, it, it it's it's as just something as they that don't go like full disney like typecast on describing these guys i think it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah um so each different flavor of genie has their own expanded spell list um so let's see it's interesting because it's like they're they're all kind of slightly different i don't really exactly understand let me see. So, Jared, so the Fog, uh, the expanded spell list you get at first level, and yeah. the way that they have this uh, one set up is that the genies uh, are at the top, and then oh. the levels are on the side. So there are. So what's interesting though is that so there are the four types of of genie that we have uh, in the table above, but there's also genie spells, which I'm assuming is spells that the genie can cast. I think that's just the spells that you get here. Actually, there's expanded spell list here that explains it, I hope. Mm-hmm. Let's see. They let you choose from an expanded list of spells when you learn a warlock spell. The genie expanded spells table shows the genie spells that are added to the warlock spell list for you, along with the spells ah. associated in the table with your patron's kind. Dao, genie, ifriti, or merid. So okay. you okay, get the genie spells, expanded spell list, which is detect evil and good, phantasmal force, create food and water, phantasmal killer, creation, and wish, which makes sense, wish. naturally. <laughs> As a warlock, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. But yeah, the, the other ones are very themed to their element. To their type. element, yeah. Like yeah. fire gets scorching ray, fireball, uh, yeah. the genie is air, they get wind wall, seeming gust of wind, water gets... Cone of cold, control water, and earth gets like meld into stone, wall of stone, yeah. that good stuff. So it, it all makes sense thematically and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, at first level, uh, it looks like they didn't change too much so far. You get your genie's vessel. Your patron gifts you with a magical vessel that grants you a measure of the genie's power. The vessel is a tiny object, and you could use it as a spellcasting focus for your warlock spells. <clears throat> You decide what the object is, or you can determine what is randomly by rolling on the genie's vessel table. Again, it's similar to what they had before. Uh, you can have a straight-up oil lamp, an urn, a ring with a compartment. I like that. With a, a compartment, yeah. Yeah, a stoppered bottle, an ornate lantern. Uh, while you're touching the vessel, you can use it in the following ways. Okay, so this is probably where it's going to be totally different. <laughs> Let's see. Bottled respite. As an action, you can magically vanish and enter your vessel, which remains in the space you left. The interior of the vessel is an extra-dimensional space in the shape of a 20-foot radius cylinder, 20 feet high, and resembles your, well, vessel. The interior is comfortably appointed with cushions and low tables and is a comfortable temperature. While inside, you can hear the area around your vessel as if you were in its space. You can remain inside the vessel up to a number of hours equal to twice your proficiency bonus. You exit the vessel early if you use a bonus action to leave. If you die, or if the vessel is destroyed, how would you die inside? Um... Uh- Uh, there's a way later on okay when you exit the vessel you appear in the unoccupied space closest to it any objects left inside remain there until carried out if the vessel is destroyed every object stored there harmlessly appears in the unoccupied spaces closest to the vessel's former space once you enter the vessel you can't enter again until you finish a long rest oh so you can have like your little storage room that's cute Mm mm-hmm uh, Genie's Wrath. Once during each of your turns, when you hit an attack roll, you can deal extra damage to the target equal to your proficiency bonus. Oh, wow. That's neat. Uh, mm-hmm. Eldritch Blast is suddenly even more dangerous. Uh, the type yep. of this damage is determined by your patron. You get bludgeoning with the Dao, thunder with the Genie, fire with the Afridi, or cold with the Merid. Uh, the vessel's AC equals your spell save DC. 
It hit points equals your warlock level plus your proficiency bonus, and it's immune to poison and psychic damage because it is a physical thing. That makes sense. If the vessel is destroyed or you lose it, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. This ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest. The vessel vanishes in a flare of elemental power when you die. Cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow. Holy shit, though. With that once... It's once during each of your turns when you hit with an attack roll, you can deal extra damage to the target equal to your proficiency bonus. Yeah. That's, uh, let me get that right. Yeah, you can always, you can use it in the following ways. It's just, it's just you're using it as, you don't, mm-hmm. you just once per turn. Yep. It's a sneak attack little bonus thing. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Okay. Um, elemental gift at six level. You begin to take on characteristics of your patron's kind. You now have resistance to a, bludge- to a damage type determined by your patron. You get bludgeoning, Dao, thunder, genie, fire, Ephrati, or cold merit. Uh, in addition to a bonus action, you can give yourself a flying speed of 30 feet that lasts for 10 minutes, during which you can hover. You can use this back bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Okay. So you get resistance to a dam- damaging type, which is pretty neat. Um... Mm-hmm. And you Flying can speed fly is interesting for a warlock. <laughs> for ten minutes, which yeah, is like hell of a long time. Like uh, I, I understand that they had to throw some stuff in here to fill out levels, essentially. But like you slowly becoming a genie is weird. <laughs> it is because if you consider like the other warlock subclasses, it's not like if you're if you're a pack to the to the ancients, you know, or like to the old ones to Cthulhu, you don't, you know start looking like an elithid eventually yeah you don't, <laughs> you don't become cthulhu you just die yeah. him eventually that's the goal <laughs> <laughs> um carrying on a uh, 10th level feature is called sanctuary vessel when you enter your genie's vessel via the bottled respite feature you can now choose up to five willing creatures within 30 feet of you and the chosen creatures are drawn into the vessel with you as a bonus action, you can eject any number of creatures from the vessel, and everyone is ejected if you leave or the vessel is destroyed. Okay, so you have to be in there while someone else is in there. In addition, yeah. anyone, including you, who remains in the vessel for at least 10 minutes gains the benefit of shorting, finishing a short rest, and anyone can add your proficiency bonus to the number of hit dice they regain if they spend any hit dice as part of the short rest there. Holy shit. Yep. All of a sudden, Warlock's like, hey guys, you want to rest up for a hot minute? And everyone's like, actually, Yes. <laughs> However, uh, remember that back uh, in the first thing, you can only do that bottle respite, respite between a, once between a long rest. This is true. Still, I mean, like, as a warlock, you gain back all your spell slots. Yeah. And you also help your friends regain health more than they would have. Suddenly, the fighter is more inclined to use that short rest with you as opposed to like, why? I'm good. Let's carry on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, like. Sure, it might be once per short rest, like once per long rest, but it's not a bad thing, yeah. honestly. Oh, no, like no, no, it. it's not It's not a bad thing at all. I was, I was just, yeah. it was one of those, like, pointing out for strategic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited wish. At 14th level, you gain this feature. You entreat your patron to grant you a small wish. As an action, you can speak your desire to your genie's vessel, requesting the effect of one spell that is 6th level or lower and has a casting time of one action. The spell can be from any class's spell list, and you don't need to meet the requirements in that spell, including costly components. The spell simply takes effect as part of this action. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish 1d4 long rests. You know what? I love this. That's fucking cool. You can cast Wish, like the first part of Wish, which everyone forgets uh-huh. about. Uh-huh. I love that. I fucking love, like, the the whole class, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Then we get to this one, I'm like, that's awesome. I totally that's a love freaking that. that's a that's a in tier ability for a class. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and that's at 14th <clears throat> level. That's so cool. Yeah, but but again, like the 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 stuff getting there, like sanctuary vessel and elemental gift, are just like eh, all right, I guess. Um, but like getting there, I'm like, yeah, I I'd see why you take this subclass. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> and what's neat is that it doesn't cost you a spell slot. Yeah. And so it's no, like it's real good. Yeah, as a as a warlock, that's like fucking amazing. I love it. You can cl- cast cleric spells. You can cast whatever. I love it. Yeah, just has to be an action, and that's it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm like, I'm okay. Only because I did actually play the the subclass. I'm sad yeah. that they removed the tether because I can no longer cast spells through my friends. But I'm happy with how they changed it. Yeah. Like, uh, again, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, that's a cool ability. What does that have to do with the theme that we're working with? Yeah, exactly. Like that first archetype was just like, eh, it's like, oh yeah, this is neat, but it has nothing to do with genies. Like just because you're holding a lamp doesn't mean it's a genie thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were really leaning into the whole like, remember that part when Robin Williams was like, you know, your slave? Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> and they just completely took that away and just like mm-hmm. did all this, which, you know what? This is actually, this. I think this fits more of the creatures too that are your patron. Mm-hmm. As opposed to before, where it was just like, yeah, there's a tether. So mm-hmm. this is, I like it. I actually like that one yeah. a lot. And, and yeah, and it, and it, like you said, it doesn't it still doesn't fall into the Aladdin thing where it's it's still like this genie is your patron. You get your powers from it. Yeah, it is granting you the ability to use limited wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're just like, hey, buddy, can I uh can I please get this this spell, please? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can i use teleportation circle please <laughs> <laughs> um wizard the next one uh the last one too it's a second level you wizard gains the arcane tradition here um uh, you get the order of scribes subclass uh magic of the book that's what many spellcasters call wizardry the name is apt given how much time wizards spend poring over their spell books, penning theories about the nature of magic and exploring the farthest recesses of libraries. It's rare to see a wizard traveling without books and scrolls sprouting from their bags and a wizard would go to great lengths to plumb an archive of ancient knowledge. Among wizards, the Order of Scribes is the most bookish. It takes many forms in different worlds, but its primary mission is the same everywhere, recording magical discoveries in tomes and scrolls so that wizardry can flourish. While every wizard values their spellbook, a scribe in the Order of Scribes dedicates themselves to magically awakening their book, turning it into a trusted companion. Mm -hmm. All wizards study their spellbooks, but a wizardly scribe talks to theirs. (laughs) That's so cute. I love it. So far, already, 10 out of 10. Way better than the actual <laughs> one that from I, the I, Artificer. I can't, I can't wait to, to get to the end of this with you. This is going to be good. <laughs> Wizardly Quill at second level. As a bonus action, you can magically create a tiny quill in your free hand. This magic quill has the following properties. The quill doesn't require ink. When you write with it, <laughs> it produces ink in a color of your choice on the writing surface. <gasps> Journaling. <laughs> yup. Uh, oh, the, there's more. <laughs> the golden time you spend must spend to... You must spend a copy of spell in your spellbook or halved if you use the quill for the transcription. <gasps> nice. You can erase anything you write with the quill if you wave the feather over the text as a bonus action, provided the text within five feet of you. Oh, that's so cool. Um, it disappears if you create another one or if you die. <laughs> <laughs> I love... I, okay, because it always bothers me when it's like, oh yeah, all necromancy spells are uh, cost halved. Or it's like all evocation spells. It's like, but you don't get that as an evocation. I think it's like all divination spells are halved. It's like, mm-hmm. do you know how many necromancy spells are out there? And do you know how <laughs> long I will actually spend doing this in this game? The answer is not much. I've done it before. <laughs> I did it once and that was the coolest thing. And then I never did it again. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that it's just, if you use this pen, any spell you copy in your spell book are halved. I yep. like it. Uh, at second level as well, you get the Awakened Spellbook, that cool little Awakened Spellbook that they mentioned earlier. Using specially prepared inks and ancient incantations passed down by your wizardly order, you have awakened an arcane sentience within your spellbook. While you are holding the book, it grants you the following benefits. You can use the book as a spellcasting focus for your wizard spells. Hey, I like that. Yep. When you cast a wizard spell with a spell slot, you can temporarily replace its damage type with the damage type of another spell in your spellbook. Mm-hmm. As your spellbook magically alters the spell's formula for this casting. Ooh. And when you cast a wizard spell as a ritual, you can use the spell's normal casting time rather than adding 10 minutes to it. Once you use this benefit, you can only do it once per long rest. <gasps> That's that really cool. Is awesome. You get a free spell slot essentially once per long yeah. rest. <laughs> That's really neat. Um, if necessary, you can replace the book over the course of a short rest by using your wizardly quill to write arcane sigils in a blank book or a magic spell book to which you're attuned. At the end of the rest, your spellbook's consciousness is summoned into the new book, which the consciousness transforms into your new book, spell book, along with all its spells. If the previous book still existed somewhere, all the spells vanish from its pages. So 
thankfully they didn't say anything randomly in here saying like you have to attune to this yeah but no, oddly I, they I, mention it here which kind of makes me question it which made me think of it <laughs> it, it will i mean i don't I, think they I, mean I, that in the technical sense i think that mean that in like the flavor sense yeah, I, I I agree with that. I don't I don't think that this is an attunement slot or anything like that. That's not how I would play it. Yeah, because um, that's not how a a wizard book works. Yeah, no, the um the it, it was it's a little weird verbiage here, but like I I like what they're going for, and I think there's a lot of fun possibilities to happen with the spell book having a consciousness. Yeah, and like what you could do with that not only as a player but as a DM. Oh my god, yes. That would be yeah. so cool. There would be so many times that would have been handy if one of my players had a conscious, <laughs> sentient yeah. wizard book with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be so cool. Um, at sixth level, so after, let's see, Master Scrivener. Hey, Scrivener. Hey. <laughs> uh, at sixth level, you get this feature. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can create one magic scroll by touching your wizardly quill to a blank piece of paper or parchment and causing one spell from your awakened spellbook to be copied onto the scroll. Spellbook must be in five feet of you when you make the scroll. The chosen scroll must be a first or second level and must have a casting time of one action. Once in the scroll, the spell's power is enhanced, counting as one level higher than normal. You can mm-hmm. cast the spell from the scroll by reading it as an action. The scroll is unintelligible to anyone else. and The spell vanishes from the scroll when you cast <laughs> it when you finish your next long rest. You're also adept at crafting spell scrolls, which are described in Chapter 7. The golden time you must spend to make a scroll or have if you use your wizardly quill. That is so cool. Yeah. So, like, I, I will say I was a little bummed to read the, the scrolls unintelligible to anyone else. But I, again, like w- what we were talking about, like, you know, even at the beginning of this, it says wizards are about books. That's what they are. That's what they do. Yeah. And so... They're really pumping this up with the fact that it's like, okay, your spellbook uh, lets you cast a ritual, uh, a ritual spell at a normal speed. Mm-hmm. Now you can also have a scroll on you to get an. So it's giving basically giving you extra spell slots in thematic ways where you're yeah. just carrying all of these books and everything on you just so you can cast a few extra spells. Not just spell slots, but also prepared spells too. Yeah. Like if you can have just like a uh, scroll of fly just in your bag, just in case you feel like you might need it. And it's yeah. like, I'm not going to prepare it, but in case we need to get somewhere, I'm going to have it on me. Or it's yeah, like a scroll I, of feather I, fall. I, that would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it has to have a casting time of an action, so it can't be feather fall. But anyways, it's like, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. So it's like, that. that is such a cool ability, though. It's like, it's such a... this. So like the the theros bard is the bard of bards Mm -hmm. this feels like the wizard of wizards (laughs) (laughs) like it's so far it's really awesome okay so we're going on to the 10th level feature which is called manifest mind all right so you are now able to conjure forth the mind of your awakened spell book as a bonus action while the book is on your person you can cause the mind to manifest as a tiny spectral construct hovering in an unoccupied space of your choice within 60 feet of you this presence is intangible and doesn't occupy its space, and it sheds dim light in a 10-foot radius. It looks like a ghostly tome, a cascade of text, or a scholar from your past. The spectral mind has a number of hit points equal to your wizard level plus your int mod, and it uses your armor class and saving throw modifiers. While manifested, the spectral mind can hear and see, and it has dark vision with a range of 60 feet. As an action, you can hear or s- and see using its senses instead of your own until your concentration ends, as if concentrating on a spell. Okay. Uh, whenever so, you cast a wizard okay. spell on your turn, you can cast it as if you were in the spectral mind space instead of your own mm-hmm. using its senses. You can do so a number of times per day equal to your proficiency bonus and you regain all expended mm-hmm. uses when you finish a long rest. And as a bonus action, you can cause the spectral mind to hover up to 30 feet to an uncombined space. It can pass through creatures, but not objects. Spectral mind stop manifesting if it is ever more than 300 feet away from you. And if it drops to zero... If, or if you die, or if you dismiss it as a bonus action, it goes away. Okay, so, so there's a lot there. <laughs> I love this, especially when you take a look at what the uh, the artificer had as the archivist. It was extremely confusing. It was confusing and kind of more solidified in theory and less so of a like a physical sense. Yeah, this well, not, makes well, sense. And, <laughs> and not just that though, but it didn't fit the the artificer. Like it no. was like 
you pick up a rock and it's alive now. And it's like, what? What does that have to do with being an artificer? Yeah. And and so and I okay I know Eberron has some things, but still it it didn't make sense for like when you tell someone what an artificer like at the base core is, and it got really confusing. It's like okay, you can make the thing wake up, and then you can have it like move, and then you can do things. And this one's just like, hey, you know how your book's alive? Now you can see it, and now you can cast spells through it, and you can move it. It's yeah. it, it teach it, it sets up this earlier in the class so that you have an understanding of what it is before it gets there. Yeah, it and it, it acts in a familiarity too, uh, pun intended, as like a familiar <laughs> too, because it's like yeah. you can see through its senses as an action. You can cast a spell through it like you can with your familiar. You can yep. you can't cast a spell from your familiar if it's not touched though, which I like. You can actually just straight up cast a wizard spell like you can cast a fireball from around the corner mm-hmm. with that thing which is yeah. really neat um i don't think so it's not a concentration unless you're using your action to look through its senses yes. then you enter concentration mode but other than that it's no it's fine um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a fu- like you said, it's a fun little familiar that you don't have to worry about dying. Yeah. <laughs> it can die and it'll be fine. I'm trying to see like if there's a limit on how many times you can do that, and I can't find one. Which makes sense because it's got the familiar thing to it. Um, yeah, but I mean, like you don't even it doesn't cost any resources to do this, and you can just keep mm-hmm. doing it. Whereas like find familiar costs you like ten gold every time you want to cast yeah. it. Yeah. Like this one's just like you, t- your tenth level now. You can just bonus action conjure this up. Yeah, I it's okay. That that's actually a really cool tenth level wizard thing. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty cool tenth level thing. Um, the last feature of this wizard is one with the word. Uh, your connection to your awakened spellbook has become so profound that your soul has become entwined with it. While you're holding the book and its spectral mind is manifest, you can take an action to cause the two of you to teleport, swapping places. Mm -hmm. You can teleport in this way a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Moreover, if you die, but at least one spell remains in your awakened spellbook, you can return to life one minute later within five feet of the book. You revive with one hit point. Then roll 3d6. The book loses spells of your choice that have a combined spell level equal to that roll or higher. For example, if the roll's total is nine, spells vanish from the book that have a combined level of at least nine, which could mean one ninth-level spell, three third-level spells, or some other combination. Thereafter, if you are incapable of casting the lost spells, even if you find them... No, oh, no, no, not you if. Are you are incapable, incapable of casting the lost spells. Even if you find them on a scroll or in another spell book, the only way to restore your ability to cast one of the lost spells is through the wish spell, which can restore one spell to the book per casting. I love this. That is so This neat. is so cool. That is, yeah. that is really neat. Mm-hmm. That again, like uh, like before, this is a freaking end of a, a class feature. Like I, yeah. I love it. It's got it's got something cool with the switching places with the mind, but then it's also got this super cool last ditch effort. And it, and what I love about it is it's not death saving throws or anything like that. It's you died. Like you, you are died. dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like I if you got that. obliterated with like word of of death, you know, it's yeah. like it's you you just you can come back one mm-hmm. minute later, and then you roll three d six and you lose some spells, but it's of your choice, yeah, which is also really nice. So it's like, hey, I haven't used that spell in like three years. I'm just gonna get rid of that one, and it's like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used that spell in like three years. I love it. And so it's yeah. like. And plus you can use, it's like you can use the wish spell to gain him back mm-hmm. in case you are like really in a bind. <laughs> but, but like, I, I, I love, I love the consequence to it. It's just like, it, it really does be like, Hey, you defy death, but that means you cannot cast these certain spells forever now, unless you, you use a yeah. wish spell. You essentially traded away knowledge to death yeah, to make it so you can come back. I, I I love it. It's that is so cool. Like I'll be honest, the this one, the order of the scribe, it it's good to go. Send it to print. Let's get let, let's have it in a book. Let's go. I love it. I didn't find anything to complain about it really. Like the stuff that they have in here that sounds really cool. I don't feel like it's overpowered at all. No. 
Because I feel like if you just take a look at like what the other ones can do, like the base this... PHB like uh, wizard subclasses, their their whole like second level like oh the the golden time you spend to copy a spell in a spellbook are halved. Like that's like all you get for their subclass. But then if you notice, every other wizard thing after that is something cooler than that. Mm-hmm. So it's like as if they almost regret having that be the only thing you get. Yeah, <laughs> because everything after that has been really cool. Mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, yeah i don't think it's overpowered i think the theme itself is so good oh yeah i would play this i would 100 percent play this and 100 percent makes sense too like mm-hmm. the flavor and everything just it connects really well and you can easily explain it and you don't have to like go well i mean if you think about <laughs> it like you had to do with the archivist it's like eh, yeah and they, they do have a little blurb in here too where it's like <laughs> Wither the Archivist? The Order of Scribes reimagines the Archivist subclass, which originally appeared in the UA as a subclass for the Artificer. That subclass was well-liked, but there was a fair amount of confusion about its story. Like what we were saying. Like there was... It wasn't forthright. It was yeah. just all over the place. As many readers thought it might work better as a wizard subclass. Thematically, the subclass is a perfect fit for the wizard, who has always been associated with the scrolls and the wit and word for D&D. So we've taken the bones of the Archivist and given it to new life in the Order of Scribes. Regarding other wizard subclasses, we can share that neither the wizard subclasses we've presented in Earth Arcana recently, the Onomancy and Psionics, will be moving forward in our development process. Ooh. Since they I'm appeal upset. <laughs> to enough people, and we can explore those subclasses' themes in others' ways. Okay, ah. we've been we've been sitting out here being like, go do the surveys, go to the, You heard how much I love the Onomancy. You know I loved it. And the name you all just neat. You all just d- downvoted it and hated it. I, I'm so upset. The, the, yeah. the psionic I don't give a fuck about. But the word, the, the, the naming magic, it was so cool! Yeah, because like, the concept of power of names and magic is like such an old it's theme. So it's cool. like Not like old as in bad, but like a yeah. really well done like classic i guess yeah. would be theme would be better yeah it's it's cl- it, it's like it's classic and it's not even like cliche or anything i just i loved the concept of it and i loved how it worked with mm-hmm. like if you know someone's true name you can like buff them or debuff them and but you're a wizard and you can cast spells and make it was so cool but now they're not going to keep going with it and i'm sad true but they said like uh i don't know it is yeah. ua you can't always just keep using it in your own home games but yeah we yeah. can't be using it in like adventures league anytime soon <laughs> well um speaking of of using uh subclasses uh while we were recording dnd beyond put out a tweet that said next week new ua subclasses will be available in dnd beyond while some other uh older material will be archived characters with archived content will be unaffected but the content will no longer be available for new characters so oh, uh so like the the rogue and the genie yeah yeah. Okay. And and like I I will say that like I personally think the older version of this rogue is cooler overall. Um this one is kind of me. Uh the genie I think is cool. I still have that weird like apprehension thing about it, but mm-hmm. the freaking order of the scribes, I I love it. I want it in a book tomorrow. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, it's I like the order of the scribes a lot and it and like I feel like the the flavor of the rogue makes more sense this direction because mm-hmm. it, it's similar to like the death cleric where or like the shadow cleric the twilight cleric where it's like you yeah. have a more of a connection to it in this concept more so than like oh it was your past life because like I feel like your past life is more sorcerer whereas this one's more like I, I guess you could say like this one's more warlock than sorcerer because you kind of have I, a connection to the concept of death versus. I see what you're saying, of it. Uh, but but then uh, then it the the questions just start creeping in my, my mind of like, okay, yeah, you've been around death and whatnot, but how does that transition to you being able to manifest a physical thing in your hand that has a part of a soul in it? Yeah. So it, it's it, I I think that one needs some more work. Um, the the genie is for me, take it or leave it. And there's already a couple of those subclasses in the Xanathar's Guide for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the or the scribe I I think is fan, fantastic. And you know what I, I would think would fix that whole rogue issue you're having hmm. is if it says like you obtain an object that is a container and you keep it on your person, kind of like the the soul cage spell where a component is a tiny cage. Yeah, and so it's like you can actually 
hold the spirits like in the container and then you can yeah. use them from there instead I, of being physical trinkets. <laughs> yeah. It, it, if it were something or like, like even like, I, I just need some form of 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 story with it. Like, um, one of the things that I think would be cool rogue wise that I don't think it is explored enough is like I think it would be neat if these subclasses were guilds or or factions, mm-hmm. and it's like you learned how to do these things from these other rogues that have been learning how to do it for centuries. Kind of, and then similar to like the um the Ravnica books about how they're all like, Hey, this is how you can kind of follow along this. Yeah. Like, like something that, it, it, that explains how the rogue is able to learn these things and know how to do them and whatnot. Instead of just suddenly magically like, Hey, I, uh, that dude died. And, uh, now I have a bouncy ball of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, if I was a DM and someone seriously came up to me with that, I'd be like, okay, every single trinket you get is going to be a rough, natural rock of some sort form. Because it's not going to be some random-ass trinket off that table. No, thank you. It's yeah. going to have a rock with writing on it, like a couple runes that if you translate or use, like, under- understand languages, it would mm-hmm. read that person's true name. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, wouldn't want it any cool. other na- way because it's like, yeah, no, I don't want to have like a thumbnail, or, like <laughs> like a, a little like a little thumbtack of and that person mm-hmm. is that soul. It's like, no, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> thumbtack. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, overall, um, I I do like this UA. It is going in a direction that um, I it, it, it's going in the direction that isn't what I was worried about before. Like th- this order of the scribe is really doing what I was talking about where it's like it's it's expanding on things we already have and uh, adjusting the rules we already have instead of suddenly introducing a bunch of new ones out of nowhere yeah I I really like it yeah it's just expanding on what you already love about the wizard mm-hmm. which like I was saying earlier like it's the wizard's wizard <laughs> <laughs> yes it is you the know? wizard's wizard like, it's like, I want to be as wizard as I can. It's like, well, you should choose this subclass. It's, you know, you don't have to put yourself into a hole. You can just go wherever you want with it. <laughs> like, like if Gandalf, like, were to see a dude and they're like, oh, man, look at that wizard. And he'd just be like, oh, man, he's, he takes it way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is a wizard's wizard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think that ba- right about covers it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good well. bonus episode. That was our bonus episode for this week. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, eventually, you know, after we do our play (laughs) stuff, um, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you want to keep up to date with the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and on Instagram at difficultypodcast. So, speaking of those Let's Play episodes we're doing, until next week, don't get killed by an interloper. Oh.